You're listening to a sermon podcast for a time like this from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Well, that's one heck of a gospel text, isn't it? Jesus refusing to help the daughter of a Gentile woman, essentially calling her a dog in the process. It's an unsettling story and one that any preacher worth his or her salt needs to face head on. Now, one of the common ways this has been read is to say that Jesus is simply testing this Gentile woman, maybe even with a twinkle in his eye and the hint of a smile teasing the corners of his mouth. He wants to engage her in a little bit of ironic debate, which he knows will arc toward her being able to express her strong trust in his ministry. But I want to suggest that there is another way of reading the story, and one that takes seriously the human side of Jesus. From there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. There was Galilee, where he has been exercising a very active ministry of healing and teaching amongst its largely Jewish population. Now he is in the region of Tyre, Gentile country, where, quote, he entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. What's that about? I think he's tired, in need of time alone, away from the crowds. He needs to rest and to pray, which is something we see him do at various points in the gospel stories. But he's not so lucky as, quote, he could not escape notice, and a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Have you ever been so tired so depleted that you just can't bear to respond to anything. You let the phone just ring. You leave the knock at the door unanswered. Shut down the email and text messages and opt for a good long nap or a hot shower, an evening of Netflix or whatever. Uh, maybe you do pick up the phone or answer the door, only to realize that your tiredness has left you impatient, even a bit short-tempered, particularly when you realize the phone call is from a telemarketer. The knock at the door is someone trying to sell you something. You wish you hadn't answered the phone, gone to the door, just turned out the lights. I think Jesus is tired like that and more. I believe he's beginning to really feel the weight of the ministry, the cross that he is bearing. 
And in that moment, more than anything else, he needs some time and space alone to recharge and discern and center himself after those demanding days in Galilee. I think the comments made by the writer Adrian Plass in his reflection on this passage are extremely helpful when he says, quote, As we read the Gospels, we learn that Jesus was shocked, he was amazed, he wept, he was tempted, he grew angry. These are the spontaneous reactions of a man to events that presented themselves as unexpected experiences. How, in all seriousness, could it have been otherwise if his life as a vulnerable human being was to mean anything? Yes, he is a vulnerable human being because he is fully human. That's one of the mysteries of our tradition. The proclamation that Jesus Christ is fully human and fully divine. Sometimes, though, we neglect the human side in favor of the divine and imagine him as being so godly that he walks about two inches above the earth. He's always compassionate to those who need him, always ready to brilliantly debate those who oppose him, always fully in control and self-possessed, problem is, I don't know any human person who comes vaguely close to that, do you? So the tired, vulnerable, human Jesus has his longed-for solitude interrupted by this woman whose child is in need of his help. She's Syrophoenician, a Gentile, and at first he turns her away And he does it with a common slur used by the Jews of his day for Gentiles, dogs. Let the children be fed first. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. The children, by which he means Israel. And it's true, his ministry was directed to the children of Israel, and only later expanded to include the people of all nations, but still, a dog? You called her a dog. She, however, is undaunted. and She quickly responds, Ah, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And here Adrian Plass comments, In the end, the combination of her love, passionate need, and wit was irresistible. As a man who specialized in words and witty retorts himself, Jesus must have been delighted with the answer she gave. And I think that delighted is indeed the right word. You see that coming through in what Jesus next says to her, for saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. And indeed, it had. For when that fiercely loving mother got home, her daughter was resting in bed, no longer afflicted. The interesting question, though, is, is this just a one-off event along the way? Or does the exchange with this woman impact Jesus in some ongoing way? 
It's probably notable that the very next episode that Mark records, that Gladiola read to us, is the healing of a man who is deaf and has a speech impediment, which takes place, that healing takes place in the region of the Decapolis, which is also Gentile territory. And that story is followed by the story of the feeding of a crowd of 4,000 people, the second feeding of multitudes story in Mark. And it appears that it also takes place in that same region. As Mark notes, no movement of Jesus and his disciples from that area. This leads Matt Skinner to offer the following reflection. He writes, Immediately after leaving Tyre, Jesus' work goes a new way. He cures a man who cannot hear and can barely speak, then feeds 4,000 people. These events occur apparently in the Decapolis, a region populated chiefly by Gentiles. Although Mark doesn't call attention to the ethnic identity of these people, it seems that Jesus takes the Syrophoenician mother's wisdom to heart. The timeline has been accelerated Gentiles receive blessings too, even now. The woman's persistence benefits more than just one little girl. It is Matt Skinner's view, in other words, that the seeds have been planted for the coming time in which the old dividing lines between Jew and Gentile will decisively fall and the Jesus way will be proclaimed freely and openly to all peoples. Is it claiming too much to say that the the tenacity and quick wit of this Syrophoenician woman led to a change in Jesus' own heart? No, I don't think it is too much, particularly not if we take seriously the fullness of his humanity. He was a Jewish man of his time, after all, and would have absorbed the social and cultural norms into his very bones. Yet again and again, he transcends those norms. We watch him treat women and children, lepers and outcasts, the blind and deaf and broken down differently from what the standards of his day would dictate. But a tired and vulnerable Jesus could still ever so easily slip into the default settings of his time and culture and dismiss the woman. I find it comforting that the stubborn love of a woman for her daughter, characterized by Clifton Black as being executed as some comedic jujitsu, twisting Jesus' maxim to deliver the retort best suiting her situation, I find it comforting that that opens his heart, a heart both human and divine. It draws me closer to him to know that he could be curt when he was tired, that he could get tired, that tired, and at the same time be oh so responsive to this woman's quick-witted plea for help. I believe that what we see in the reading from the Epistle of James is what a community should look like when it follows this Jesus as portrayed in Mark's account, ultimately healing that woman's daughter 
and going on to heal that deaf-mute man. No acts of favoritism, James insists. No priority given to the rich and powerful. Don't dishonor the poor, James insists. Don't give priority to those who have made them poor. Love your neighbor as yourself with no particularity, folks. If you want mercy rather than judgment, render mercy one to another. Don't bless one another with peace unless you really mean it. And meaning it requires action. A hungry brother or sister? Share a meal. A desperate mother agonizing over the plight of her daughter? Don't just send her away or wish her all the best and then forget about her? See what you can do and do it. That's at the heart of the message of James. Faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And it is something Jesus himself had to confront on that tired, vulnerable day when he just wanted to be alone and the woman said to him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. On account of that challenge, he gave her a lot more than crumbs. He gave her daughter back to her, alive, free, restored, in faith, utterly alive. And so may he do for each of us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church, including further resources during these days of the COVID-19 global pandemic, or to provide support for our online work, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. Thanks for listening.